Welcome to the Short Term Show, the show about short term rentals and long term wealth, with real property owners hosting real properties who are crushing it in the vacation and short term rental space. And here's your host, Avery Carl. Hey guys, welcome back to the short term show. Today we have Robert Gonzalez, the co-founder and COO of My Books Pro, a bookkeeping and profitability company for real estate professionals. Hey Robert, how's it going? Great, great Avery, thanks for having me on. Thank you so much for coming on. Uh, can you tell us, just start off by telling us a little bit about yourself and what you do? Sure, so like you introduced, I, I run a bookkeeping and profitability company um, for and specifically designed for real estate professionals. Um, I totally believe in the niche philosophy where you know we don't just take on any client. We specifically work with real estate professionals because we saw an opportunity with close friends of myself and our co-founder where real estate professionals are really good at selling real estate and maybe not as good at going home and managing the books and finances of their day-to-day uh, -day business when they're done showing homes. Um, so that's how that started. My background is not in bookkeeping. That's uh, It's completely different. And when you meet me, the most common thing that people say is, you don't seem like the typical bookkeeper. And I, I, I like that because I don't think I am. Um, my background is completely in sales. Um, like I got my start 18 years old. Well, I mean, like when I was 13 and 14, I was entrepreneur stuff, like working odds ends, whatever I could. But my first real job, I was in sales and, um, I was a sales rep, got promoted into sales management. And, uh, then I got recruited to be a sales trainer for a startup company. And when I left that company in 2017, um, my tail end of that experience of at a startup, and if anyone's ever worked at a startup, highly recommend. Um, it's a it's a bunch of moving parts, new job description every day. And the last year I was there, I really helped with the company becoming profitable. Um, a lot of startups just bleed money, lose money. Ours was no different. I'm happy to say that that startup <clears throat> was was sold and purchased in 2018 for 60 million bucks. Um, and a part of that was getting the thing to look better on paper. So getting it to lower expenses, maximize income, and really cash flow positive as best we could. And that led into me knowing that there was a huge need for small business owners to understand what their actual cash flow looked like. So not just knowing what my line one income was, but also knowing and understanding that there's a lot of money we spend as small business owners in order to make money and putting that in front of small business owners and talking through it with them, showing where they were just losing a lot of money because of their financial decisions and how they could spend more time on increasing profit. So hopefully that gives you a background of like how I got to the bookkeeping side of things. We started this out of a necessity or a need that we saw in a market that is thriving, which is real estate. And you know that better than anybody else. That really is the best way to start a business with any sort of longevity is finding a need in the market and filling that gap. I mean, that's what I did with my real estate business. And, and that's really cool. I'm, that's really cool of you guys. Yeah, um, thanks. And my partner, he actually started a very similar bookkeeping company for uh, one specific sales organization. And we work with or I, I 
still work with him in that, but they work with 90% of the small business owners within that sales organization. So it's kind of cool to see um, our new company, MyBooks, designed for real estate agents take off the way it has. That's awesome. Because I know I am definitely guilty of, you know, having a long day, having talked to 100 people and, you know, just being tired. Even if you didn't go out and show properties necessarily, I call it phone fatigue of just being tired from being on the phone all day with different people that I am definitely guilty of not paying attention to my books and, and where the money's going and things like that. Yeah. And you're not alone. Yeah. So can, can you tell me a little bit about like, so what's different between my books pro and other bookkeeper options out there? Oh, you asked me the layup question. Thank you. Um, so a, a standard bookkeeping firm, first of all, if you are listening to this and you're thinking, man, I don't have someone doing my books. Well, that's something we can talk about later in this conversation. But if you ever um, go out and seek a bookkeeping firm to manage your books, which is track all income and track all expenses. The biggest thing that you'll notice is the main objective of a bookkeeper is to make taxes easier when the handoff goes to the accountant. And sometimes they're partnered right at an accounting firm or a CPA. Um, ours is a little bit different. We don't neglect that. So we still make filing taxes really easy. All the information that a CPA would need is right in our reports. The big difference that we emphasize is that when you get a report from a typical bookkeeper, you'll see something like marketing. Well, a lot of real estate agents, when they see marketing, they're spending marketing dollars at like 15 different places. They're spending it on staging. They're spending it on ads. They're spending it on business cards. They're, there's, the, the list goes on and on and on. So if they just saw on their P&L report, their profit and loss report, the line item marketing, that would not be helpful to them at all. What we do is we take that marketing and we break it down into however many subcategories a client would want. So they know how much they're spending on Zillow ads. They know how much they're spending on a photographer for their open houses. They know how much they're spending on their... Um, signs. So anything marketing dollars, there's a big breakdown. So our target or our mission is that the profit and loss report and what we do is great for the accountant. So the person filing the taxes, and it's also great for the actual client, the business owner, so that when they get the report, it's digestible. And so they can understand, wow, I spent way too much in this area, or wow, I really need to be spending more in this spot, or I didn't make anything last month. So these are all things that they can digest from a report that we send them. And they get these reports every single month. A lot of bookkeepers, they just send the reports to the client if the client asks, again, because their main mission is to make the job easier for the CPA or accountant. That is awesome information. And I want to just focus on that last sentence you said there, because I know I personally, when I switched from a W-2 job and stopped using TurboTax to a 1099. And then as our real estate portfolio has grown uh, and we started uh, having more complicated taxes, I didn't realize, and I think this is a mistake that a lot of people make, is that your tax accountant is not a bookkeeper. A bookkeeper is a separate person that you need to hire. And I made the mistake of thinking that it was my tax accountant's job to 
itemize all this stuff for <laughs> me and tell me this stuff. And then only after asking, and I felt like a really big idiot, like, oh, that's actually not their job. And I think a lot of people make that mistake because you just, you don't know what you don't know. And, you know, I am not, I didn't get a CPA license, so I don't know these things. And I think a lot of people go into, especially when they're new to real estate investing that, uh, and as they're getting more properties, they don't realize that, oh, you, you do have to hire a separate bookkeeper. Your tax accountant is not that person. Yeah, you're, you're spot on. And that's why most CPAs or tax accountants, they enlist a bookkeeper and they'll hire them to be on board so that when that thing happens, when someone comes in on April 12th and says, here's all my stuff from last year, can you file my taxes? The bookkeeper or the accountant says, uh, I can, but you're going to pay a lot for me to do this because I have to go through everything you just laid in my lap and I have to get my bookkeeping team on it and then I can file your return. So you, again, you're not alone in that mistake, but what we do is when you have a bookkeeper that's looking at things weekly, bi-weekly and monthly, which is what our team does, they do not miss a penny. Everything is, nothing is ever slipping through the cracks. So that really small expense at Starbucks for $4.55 that happened 500 times throughout the year, we're never missing any of those. And that's what a bookkeeping firm does is they don't let things slip through the cracks. And when it comes time to file taxes, the handoff is so easy because we're we just say, hey, here's the report. Oh, and by the way, we already reconciled this, which is something that basically proves that the expenses I say on this report are real. And we track you kind of lightly mentioned we track assets and liabilities which is something that's important for a real estate investor is we'll track how much their home's value is worth, the depreciation, the appreciation of the assets. That is a really, that's such a huge and crucial part of, of your team when you're a real estate investor and you're building your team, whether it's, you know, your tax accountant, real estate agents, financing people, a bookkeeper is a really big part of that. So I'm going to ask you a few questions. Let's pretend like I'm a brand new investor and I want to get started with real estate investing. I plan on buying multiple properties, short-term rentals uh, and long-terms. So uh, do I need separate bank accounts for each property? The answer is it's up to you. All right. We have clients that have both typically people will link a bank account with an entity. So if they have a different LLC or S corp or corporation for each property, then yeah, they're going to get bank accounts for each one. But can you do it where one LLC or one corporation holds multiple properties? You absolutely can with the same bank account, as long as the bookkeeper, whoever is doing your books is clear on what's happening inside those accounts. Because if you just said, oh, yeah, everything is in this account and you do it once a year, that's going to be super confusing. Um, again, if if you're working with someone that knows what the spending is like inside that account, it, it's OK. Is it preferred to have separate bank accounts? Yeah, absolutely. But I can only imagine if someone has 50 properties and 50 bank accounts and 50 corporations. And then they also means they have like 50 credit cards because one credit card is for each one. Um it can get a little confusing, which is why a lot of people will use a holding company to do all the spend. And then again, they'll communicate with their bookkeeper, whoever's doing their books. Hey, I went to Home Depot today. It was for this property. So we have great open lines of communication with our clients. And I think most clients who have multiple properties, they do, whether that's with us or someone else, you know, they have a way of distinguishing what property is which, not just separate bank accounts. 
And I know, I, I hope I didn't not answer your question, but no, there's multiple, totally multiple ways to skin a cat in, in that regard. <laughs> oh yeah, there is with everything. So to take that question just a step further. So a lot of investors, when they're kind of new, they're not getting commercial financing. They're getting conventional, which means it has to be, the loan has to be in their personal name and not mm -hmm. in an LLC or an entity. So how does that affect how the books are kept if they're not to the level or have enough properties that they've used up all of their conventional loans and they are mm -hmm. using conventional financing? So what would that look like? Would they still only need one bank account because everything's in their personal name or separate it by property? Yeah, I think what I see with most clients that that's the scenario, as with myself, I don't have enough properties to um, put them in my name and, and all of our loans are all conventional loans. So yeah, we only have one bank account as far as the mortgage goes, but for everything else, we we have certain cards and certain bank accounts that we keep separate for each property. And I think that's what a lot of investors end up doing on the front end, right? If they're just starting to build their portfolio, yeah, you can still have the conventional loan in your name. It's just whoever you're working with that does your books and your accountant, make sure they're in the know. That's the most important thing because you can, you can treat those assets however you want. Um, I'll talk about one quick thing that I think will help answer the question the best way, which is when you form a corporation, um, if it's a single member corporation or if it's a partnership like a husband and a wife team, those are all considered pass-through entities. And, and I think this term is so important because uh, a lot of people think like, oh, I don't want to pay taxes on whatever profit I made from this business this year. But what they don't understand and, the, and what they'll do is they'll leave money in the business account and they'll just say, oh, it's, you know, it's just left. It's retained earnings is the common phrase. But the thing is, is if you're a single member corporation, every penny of profit is taxed the year that it's made. It doesn't matter what account it stays in. Right. Um, you can keep it in the business account or you could pass through every dollar of profit to the personal. It's just considered a pass through entity. So everything lands on the personal side anyway. If we're talking about going back to your original question, how to hold a piece of real estate. If you hold the loan on your personal name, everything's taxed on the personal side anyway. If all your corporations are single member, it's when you start to get into syndications where that then the profit and how, how that's held and structured, usually the person that's doing the syndication or heading or spearheading the syndication, they've got all their ducks in a row when it comes to that. Um, but if it's just like someone getting started first couple properties, holding in your personal name is totally okay. Because again, you're getting taxed on the personal side anyway, even though you own multiple businesses, all of it passes through. That's what S corps are single, single member LLCs. They're all single member corporations which are treated as pass-through entities. So just remember every dollar of profit in a pass-through entity, you're going to get taxed on that year anyway. So where you hold the real estate isn't as important until you get into you know, multiple member corporations and you can have retained earnings. Ah, I see. Well, that last sentence leads perfectly into my next question. So if I am going to buy something with a partner, a friend and I want to go in and buy a short-term rental together. How does that affect the bookkeeping side? It doesn't because, well, it, it does in that you have to communicate with the bookkeeper um, about how it's structured, but it depends on how each of you want to get paid, right? Like, again, this is multiple ways to skin a cat here. We have some partnerships where it's technically only in one person's name, and then they just pay out any profits to the other partner as a 1099. 
that's totally a way to do it. Or you can just have equal partnership when you form the corporation or when you form the partnership and you make the partnership agreement. It says 50% of expenses, 50% of profits are all split. In that case, you've got to have a separate bank account at the minimum, even if it's just a partnership, all right, and not an, a formal entity that's formed as a partnership. You've got to have a bank account that's separate because otherwise things are just going to be disastrous. And we've seen it. Unfortunately, we've seen a lot of different things where, you know, this, like you said, you're thinking about investing with a partner. Well, hey, I spent $100 at Costco on my own personal account. And then the other person says, hey, I spent $3,000 at Home Depot on my personal account. And then you've got this big cluster of stuff that you have to try to sort and dissect. It's just kind of a nightmare. So recommendation is if you're going to go in on a, a property or a business venture with another person, definitely keep everything separate. That's totally something I would do. <laughs> so my next question, uh, so as a small business operator, like a real estate investor, how is the best way to handle receipts and bills? Because I know I cannot be trusted. I am not a detail person. I will lose every receipt. I will have the best intentions of saving every receipt. At some point though, it's going to get thrown on the floor of my Jeep. It's going to get thrown in my purse. It's going to get, I'm going to, buy something on the wrong card because my husband borrowed my personal card and I didn't realize it and I'm left without the card. So I'm one of those people that's going to be a bad client. So <laughs> how does, uh, what's the best system for handling that kind of stuff? Great question. Two part, two part answer. So let's talk about receipts. So the only purpose of receipts is in case you're audited. It's not like when you go to file your taxes, you're sending in a thousand receipts from the year to the IRS and they're going through them all and making sure they're right. All right. Receipts are only kept in case of an audit. So there's two ways to handle it. One is put it for me when I was when I realized I had to do this, I just put every receipt that I used for business in my back pocket. At the end of the day, I dumped it into a big shoebox. And then I kept that shoebox for a few years until I was past the audit window and I got rid of the shoebox. That's like old school. People have been doing that for, you know, tens, maybe even hundreds of years. It's just keeping receipts, hanging on to them. The new way is if you do enroll a bookkeeping service is most of them have some kind of way where you can just snap a picture and you can move it into your books so that every transaction that we see coming through the bank is linked with a receipt. And you can just click on a transaction and view the receipt. So the, basically, there's one of two ways. And the second way that I mentioned, there's a lot of different ways you can do it. There's even receipt apps now that you can just, again, take a picture. Um, when we, our bookkeeping software, you can throw it right into our, uh, we can call it like our purgatory. So until we categorize it, we're going to see a list of receipts. So hopefully that answers your first question is you, you've got to try to keep receipts. Okay. I think the second question you you alluded to was, I'm that type of person that would accidentally spend a personal expense on my business account or vice versa. Everybody does that. There are very few people out there that are 100% clean where every single business transaction is on their business card and every single personal transaction is on their personal card. There's very few and far between. If you are that person, if you just heard what I said and you said, hey, I do that, I haven't messed up in 10 years, kudos to you. You should walk around with a gold star on your chest. Um, but the reality is, is once in a while it happens. I do it too, right? I accidentally pull out the wrong American Express and it happens to be a business transaction that was on my personal card. There are ways around, well, there are ways to make sure that you still get that captured on the right side 
But the biggest thing is immediate communication with whoever tracks your your books. If you wait till the end of the year and try to go through and you're like looking at these random transactions thinking, oh, you know, that was probably a business expense. You're in for one because whoever's filing your taxes is not going to be too happy with you. Um, But if you catch it right away and we get messages and emails from our clients all the time. Hey, you know, I accidentally used my personal card for a business expense yesterday. Here was the amount. What should I do? And we walk them through the steps. Awesome. I, I, I have to send that email a few times a month myself. <laughs> well, at least you send the email. <laughs> I try to remember to. Uh, so what kind of apps are there for tracking expenses as just a small business owner who maybe is it to the point of hiring a full-time bookkeeper yet? Like I know I used to have one. I can't remember when I first got my real estate license that would track my business mileage. It was with Bluetooth to my car. And I, it would ask me every time I stopped driving, was this business or personal? And I could Mm -hmm. click it. I never did it because again, I'm not that good client that does that. Uh, It was a great (laughs) idea in theory, but I never did it. Um, Anyway, so are there any apps and websites, platforms that you recommend to help keep track of that kind of stuff? Oh man, you opened a can of worms with that question. Um, oh, give me all of them. <laughs> <laughs> um, as a small business owner, ultimately here's here's the best advice because people ask us all the time like, hey, when should I enroll your services? Um, because it's not like we're 20 bucks a month, right? It's not like that thing where, oh yeah, any business should have us, whether you're doing 5,000 in gross revenue a year or 500,000. I would say the tipping point is when you start to do 50, 60, 70 K in gross revenue, you should look at a bookkeeping team because typically there's a lot of expenses associated with that. And you're just not going to want to use an app. All right. So there's the good tipping point, especially real estate agents. That's the most common question we get from them is how much do I need to have made in commissions to enroll a service like yours? And, you know, we'll take on anybody um, in terms of if they're on the small end, but really when it's worth it, 50, 60, 70, 100K for sure. If your gross receipts are 100K, gross commissions are 100K, you should probably have some kind of service. But ramping up to that, I can tell you a couple apps that I know of, but again, we don't really use them because we're in QuickBooks a lot. Um, Expensify is a common one that I've heard. Mile IQ Tracker, I think that's what it's called, but you alluded to a mile tracker. I'm sure you could Google mile tracker and it'll do it. And and there's probably 10 different apps for it. Um, That's a good one, especially for newer business owners. But my best suggestion for newer business owners is do it yourself. If you are not big enough yet to hire someone, you need to learn and understand what the heck your business is doing. So even if you grab an Excel spreadsheet or you can use a Google sheet so you can use it on your phone too, you need to start tracking expenses anyway because you need to know if your business is successful or not. You're basically proving a concept like, is my business going to thrive in the long run? You should try to do that on your own. Um, that's the way that I got into the bookkeeping side of things is my partner and I, we said like, well, what are we going to do? We're just going to hire random bookkeepers. And he had the best advice. He said, we need to get QuickBooks certified. And that's what we did. We got QuickBooks certified and we started doing all our own books so we could learn and understand what our business was going to do in the long term. But doing it yourself is probably the best advice I can give because I think it's just better for the long run. Even if you know you're going to outsource it long term, it just allows you to read reports better. It allows you to ask really intelligent questions when it comes to your books. So I hope I answered that question the best I could. There's maybe not the best app for when you're a really small business, 
but there is a way that you can do it so that it's good for you in the short term and the long term. That's awesome advice. And I, I know I have, I make this mistake over and over again. I, I don't seem to learn from it where I will start with doing something myself in preparation for needing to hire and outsource that task later down the road. I wait too long to do that rather than mm. saying, okay, looks like I'm kind of hitting that threshold. It's probably time to hire somebody. I wait until I'm like completely overwhelmed with it and then retroactively get the company that I probably needed like six months ago. So can you hit again, you kind of mentioned it uh, in your re in the answer you just gave, when would be the time for a small business owner, real estate agent, real estate investor to go ahead and say, okay, it's time to hire a professional company to do this for me? Sure. So I'm going to tell a small story with this, and that's the story of every entrepreneur. So every entrepreneur gets into their field, whether it's real estate, whether it's the plumbing business, whether it's bookkeeping, because they feel they have a really good skill that they're talented than more people at. In a real estate agent's case, they're really good at real estate or they're really good at real estate investing. And so they say, hey, I'm going to become a great plumber. I'm going to become a great real estate agent. What they don't realize right away is that becoming a small business owner or an entrepreneur or a solopreneur, whatever title you want to give it, is way more than just the skill set of selling real estate or being a, a plumber, like going and fixing pipes. Okay, It also involves doing your own books. It also involves customer service. It involves so many things. You wear so many hats as a small business owner that I think you can relate to this, Avery. There was a time where you probably worked 100 hours a week, umpteen weeks straight. I can recall that. I was 23, brand new business owner. And I realized if I want to get my, if I want to get ahead of the game, I got to do what most people are not willing to do. And that's worked super duper hard for a long period of time so this business can get off the ground. Okay. That has to be done before you're ready to hire someone. If you know that you've put in the legwork by doing all these different things, wearing all the hats, when you're ready to hire someone, it'll be a gut feeling. It'll be, I don't need to do this anymore. I've done it. I'm ready to focus on what I know I'm a hundred out of a hundred at. And that's being a plumber. That's selling real estate. That's investing in real estate. So now I'm ready to hire someone to do the $25 an hour work so that I can focus on the 100, 200, 300, 500, $1,000 an hour work. So that's like the gut feeling side of it. On paper, 50, 60, 100 grand. In terms of profit, you're profiting at least 60, 75K is definitely a clear sign that you need to hire someone as a small business owner to do your books. Knowledge bomb. Thank you so much. <laughs> um, I, I've definitely, I, I still struggle with finding that time when that gut feeling hits me. So I appreciate that. Uh, so when someone is ready to hire a full-time bookkeeper, bookkeeping team, what should they expect from their bookkeeper on a daily or monthly basis? Like what is the norm? What should they expect out of you? Ooh, this is a good one. Cause you said, what would, what should they expect out of a bookkeeping firm, but also what the, they should expect out of me. Um, I think when pricing anything, you have to ask yourself, is this too cheap or too expensive? Because I, I, more and more, I think a lot of things are falling in that, right? You could probably go hire uh, 
a virtual assistant that would do some semblance of bookkeeping and pay like $30, $50 a month because they don't live in the United States, right? And they're making a way smaller wage. Would it get the job done? I have no idea. I don't know how to qualify something that's too cheap. The other thing is, is, is this too expensive? And we find a lot of accounting firms, they just charge whatever their fee is for the bookkeeping side. And now you're getting these bills that are like $500, $1,000, $2,000 a month to keep track of the books. We really tried to find the sweet spot in that $150 to $300 range, depending on how busy the business is. And as far as what you can expect, you should expect that anytime you ask for a report of the previous month or the previous quarter that it should be done. All right. That's that's the first thing, because then, you know, that eyes are on your stuff on a regular basis instead of there's unfortunately there are some bookkeepers out there that they wait till the end of every six months or every quarter and then they get behind Um, our team. That's our number one goal is that we're looking at stuff on a weekly and biweekly basis so that we can get monthly reports out within two weeks of the new month for the previous month. Now, what's in a report, a detailed report that you can understand. So that's one thing that you just want to be able to see. If I hire a bookkeeping firm, I want to see a report that I can understand. Okay. Number two is for a bookkeeping firm that they're reconciling the books. Now, a lot of people listening, I have no idea what that means. All that means is that your bookkeeping firm is grabbing a bank statement, a real bank statement from your bank and matching it to all the transactions that we saw come in and that are on a profit and loss statement. Basically, you're verifying that everything that came in is real. You didn't make anything up because if you did a profit and loss on a Excel spreadsheet, you can put whatever the heck you want in there. And there's no verification. It's like, oh, I think I spent 12 grand on marketing last year. You have no idea, you can put whatever you want in. With accounting software, you have to reconcile the books. And what that means is you're just matching everything. So that's a big thing that if you're gonna hire a bookkeeping firm, do you guys reconcile the books? How often do you reconcile the books? And then a balance sheet. A balance sheet shows all the list of the business's liabilities and assets. So whether you are a real estate agent and your only asset is what's in your bank account and your only liability may be like a small business loan um, to a real estate investor who has property, you want that property listed. The reason you want that property listed is because when you make your mortgage payments on those properties, it doesn't just all go towards the equity in the house. There's some of it that's the interest and some of it that pays for taxes. And then there's some that pays towards the equity of the home. And your bookkeeping firm should know what that breakdown is. And that way they can accurately depict what your assets and liabilities, aka a balance sheet looks like. And so those are probably the big three, balance sheet, profit and loss statement that you can understand and a monthly and quarterly bank reconciliation. That's great information because I would not know to ask any of those questions. I would just be like, oh, how much is it? What do you guys do? Okay, cool. Great. Let's work. (laughs) So uh, it's really important to know, you know, what questions you need to ask before hiring uh, a professional in the tax realm. So definitely, definitely great information. And uh, Robert, that is the end of our interview. And thank you so much for coming on a really great info, uh, lots and lots of great knowledge. And if any of our listeners want to reach out to you, find out more about what you do, where can they find you? 
Yeah, easiest way is uh, mybooks.pro. If you want to book directly into our calendar, it's calendly.com slash mybookspro, P-R-O. And um, typically we charge 197 bucks for a strategy session. Um, for your listeners on the short-term show, I've saved 20 spots that I will waive the $197 uh, strategy session fee. And the strategy session, no strings attached, you can tell me as much or as little about it, your business as you want. If we decide to work together in the future, great. If you're just looking for a small piece of advice, great. That's what that strategy session is for. But uh, calendly.com slash mybookspro is the way you can book directly into that. As, as long as you put somewhere in the notes or the um, comments, short-term show, I'll know to waive that 197. You won't see an invoice. Um, but mybooks.pro is our website, and you can check us out there. Awesome. Thank you so much for that, guys. You guys need to really take advantage of that because Robert has some real knowledge on this subject, and I would definitely take advantage of being able to get a conversation with him one-on-one. -on -one. So thank you so much, Robert, and we will talk to you again soon, hopefully.